Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Love Essie the Podcast. Now, last week I said that I was gonna do uh, Visions of Heat and Caress My Eyes. And um, me last week really thought that that was something I could do. Uh, she was shooting for the stars and uh, she was wrong. <laughs> she didn't land on the stars, she didn't land on no moon. Um, yeah, no wasn't able to do that so we're actually just going to be talking or we i say this like there's a whole other person here uh i am just going to be talking about visions of heat uh and if if you read both books listen i you know clap 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 i you know i give you your props because i the fuck was i thinking i don't know i guess i forgot that i had to do things like sleep go to work, sleep. Uh, so yes, that is today's focus is going to be visions of heat, which means caress my eyes will be next week. And that's okay. I mean, it'll be February and probably cold, which will be perfect with the title. Caress my eyes. Yes. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, so yeah. So visions of heat. This is book two in the Side Changeling series. And one thing I realized as I was rereading, I've read Slave to Sensation a few times. Um, Visions of Heat is not a book I reread unless I've said to myself, I want to reread the series from beginning to, you know, wherever it ends, you know, wherever the current end point is. I don't just randomly pick up Visions of Heat to read. I mean, you're probably like, do you do that with any of the other books? Yes, I do. I definitely do, you know, just like randomly out of nowhere. I'm just like, ooh, I want to read about, uh, you know, Hawk. And so I pick up Kiss of Snow or Tangled Need with Riaz. So there are books in within the series that have become sort of my comfort reads that sometimes I'm just like, I just, I need, an, you know, I, I need some Nalini in my life. And so I just pick them up and read them. But Visions of Heat isn't one of them. That doesn't mean the Visions of Heat isn't good. It, I think it's really good. I think it's a book that touches on so much and sets up so much for the coming series now I do think that possibly the reason one of the reasons that I don't necessarily you know just reread it all the time Vaughn and Faith uh, Vaughn D'Angelo and Faith and Nightstar who are our main characters are a couple I like and I know that the world and the people who they are connected to would be you know impacted heavily if they like disappeared but I'm 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 able to sort of be apart from them in a sense there are other couples um Devraj I'm pretty sure I just fucked up his name and Katya yo (laughs) those two I mean every time I read them I ball like a little bitch and then I go back and read it again because <laughs> crying is good. It's full of the skin. It's not. Don't listen to me. Um, there are certain couples that I like. You know, they show up like Silver and Valentine. I'm getting ahead of myself. So as I was rereading, I, a part of me was in the back of my mind also thinking, what is it about Faith Nightstar and Vaughn Angelo that I, 
I like them, but they aren't, I guess, in my my vision of this world. They aren't main characters to me. Even though this is their book and they are main characters in their book and their story, throughout the series, I don't focus on them. Now, I do think, as I reread, that mentions of them in later books do sort of fall taper off a bit. So it might be also that I kind of forgot about them as I met other couples and got to see different parts of the world. Because as the series progresses, you are introduced to people, to characters, who will show you a different sort of section of this world that we're slowly getting to know. I've... Um, reading I realized Nalini it's like each couple like there's their story but as you're learning about these two characters you're learning about you're learning information about the world the world building is happening and not in a way that at least to me feels like annoying or overwhelming but it's it's things that intimately affect or are tied to the characters so obviously you would want to know because then these are the things that make them do the things that they do And then it also helps you better understand certain things about the world. So obviously when this book came out, it was the second book in the series. All anybody who was reading at that time knew about the series was the information provided in book one. So book two also has to be a book that does, I guess, a lot of heavy lifting in giving you the information um, that you're going to need to sort of understand where we are headed um okay so this first portion that i'm talking i'm going to try my best not to include spoilers then i'm going to pause then i'm going to you know spoil 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 away because like this shit came out like mad long ago so technically it's not like oh it's a new release that no one's ever read and this hoe is spoiling it like no girl no (laughs) I, i i think not um this this is you know what i'm looking at the copyright it came out in 2007 we're in 2020 it's been 13 years so if you wanted to uh never be spoiled about this book you should have read it in 2007 um and i'm going to in the show notes you know highlight where the spoilery section is so if you're really like girl i don't want these spoilers You'll be able to just skip right on past that, skip right on past that to the rest of the episode, which what that will be, question mark, surprise, you know, you'll, you'll know when you know, I'll know when I know. Anyway, so in book two, uh, we've met people, we've met characters from the changeling world, right? We've met changelings, we've met Lucas We've met Hawk, uh, we've met Lucas's Sentinels, his um, core sort of guard. Uh, we've met a few, I think there's been mention of a few people in Hawk's pack, which is Snowdancer. Uh, we've met Psy people, obviously, with Sasha Duncan being the first one we're introduced to. We've met her mother. We've heard about the council and have, you know, been introduced to the, you know, the minds that are sort of the ruling uh, group for those people. We haven't really touched on any humans, right? And in this world, there are people who are changeling, people who are sight, and people who are human. We haven't, we haven't, we haven't met humans yet. 
And in book two, we still haven't met humans. Uh, so book two, Vaughn is a changeling. And he is a senten- one of Lucas's sentinels. And Faith Nightstar is a psi. Now, what we see in this book, um, we our knowledge of what psi can do, what psi are capable of, is expanded. Um, because we're, Faith is a different kind of psi from Sasha. Like, completely different. Like, worlds apart. Kind of, but not really. And so, what she's able to do with her ability uh, means that we get to sort of see, oh, well, how are these people treated within the power structure? We are introduced to other... We're introduced to the concept of how Faith's family and people like Faith operate, which is slightly different from regular Psy. Um, And I thought it was really interesting. This was a really random thing. But throughout the books, um, the way to sort of denote a familial pack or is taking two words... And putting them together to form one word. But like each word is cap... Like the first letter of each word is capitalized. So for example, Dark Hunter is spelled as one word. But the D and the H are capitalized. Snow Dancer is spelled as one word. But the S and the D are capitalized. When we meet Faith, she's part of the Night Star Psy Clan. And so N and S are capitalized. Now, Faith is Psy. She's not changeling. Yet that convention exists so that's clearly just a random detail of the 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 otherness of this world it may look like our world but it is not um so in this book um book one sasha had a lot of she had a lot to deal with um emotion was definitely huge for her and her grappling with walking away from the only people she's ever known because in the current world, the three groups do not really intermingle. You have intermingling between human and changeling, but you have absolutely zero, you know, non-existent intermingling between Psy and everybody else. So both Faith and, and Sasha are in a place where they have to make a decision. Do they choose the men who are their mates and walk away from everything they've ever known or do they stay with what is known and potentially give up you know something incredible but it's also like they're being asked to make this choice when they don't even know what that means because they don't they don't feel emotions so i hadn't really thought about this but the way things like lust and desire and love are described when the character is sigh it's overwhelming and just but then i think to myself imagine just imagine back to the first time that you like felt lust for someone or desire or feelings but now that tends to usually happen you know to depending on your sexuality, uh, around, you know, teenagers. Um, 
But imagine now if you were a fully grown adult and you had never experienced anything that even comes close. Nothing like that. You hadn't experienced emotions, period. Not anger, not fear, not sadness, not joy. What does that do to you and your mind while all of this is going on? Like, how do you handle that? And you are in a society where you can't turn to anybody you know and be like, hey, this is going on and I need help. Because the moment you were to say anything like that, you're going to be rehabilitated, meaning they're going to like basically reduce you to you know just above a vegetable because you won't be incapacitated you'll still be able to you know have motor function and do things like sweep and file things but your cognitive abilities and your and your actual power that you had is probably going to be stripped away so here's the choice choose the unknown completely or stick with your people but like i mean you know you might go cray cray what i mean obviously it's a romance so you know the choice ends up being happiness and joy and love but it is definitely an interesting question as to how those characters get to that point um and so that also had me thinking about something that um was not touched upon but for us in you know the world we live in today um lack of skin to skin contact with babies is considered like absolutely vital to their development um the idea that you could spoil a child by holding it too much is like girl no no bye um so i'm i i'm thinking in this world Clearly, when silence is first introduced, I'm pre- I wouldn't be surprised if things like holding babies was like, nah, you can't do that because touch fosters bonds, which is emotion. And then as babies like died because babies without like who are, you know, starved of physical contact can eat, can, you know, the extreme case is death if or, you know less extreme mental illness i'm sure the council was like okay okay we gotta hold them but like can't be their parents got has to be which is then sort of explains um how their structure you know how parents you know make a contract to have a baby and it's just okay so i just thought that that was so fascinating that these psi characters are getting to an adulthood completely and utterly starved for touch. And if you uh, remember back in the first book, um, it, the year is the year of the first book is 2079. Silence was fully implemented in 1979. So it's been a hundred years of this group of people of this specific race not allowing emotion to to flourish foster flourish whatever exist in any way shape or form obviously there have to have been people 
like Sasha, who broke under the strain of it. And so I think to myself, what happened with those characters, right? Was the council's power so powerful they were able to just get rid of all these examples? Because it can't just be um, something that's happening when we meet these characters. It has to have been happening. And so clearly things, something has changed, right? And that's how we're being introduced into this world at a very critical point where things have changed and this all-powerful council is no longer all-powerful. They may not know it yet, but as you're reading, you're starting to feel like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute and it's really interesting because I think the first time I read this book was probably like 2011 2012 uh which you know was in the height of Obama's presidency everyone was hopeful people said things like we're in a post-racial society whatever the hell that means and I don't think the book didn't have the same impact that it had now when I reread it when I reread it now in 2020 um I was just thinking about how we're currently living in a time where we're seeing people who have always held power have things exposed and people are questioning well like why is this happening why why are things like this why do we continue to do this and there's this sort of increasing sort of push and pull between those who want to maintain the status quo either because they are already you know rich and powerful or they have believed the propaganda to their bones that if they just work hard enough and do certain things they will also join the powerful and rich class um which is not the reality but when you know you tell someone something enough times they believe it and it's been really interesting to just think of the things I'm reading in this book and then be like hmm that sort of reminds me of that situation I read about in the news hmm because I think for example the council assuming that they have all this power that no one will rise up against them that if anyone tries they can just squash them I, I mean, it doesn't that kind of sound like our governments today, you know, in the United States with uh, orange, you know, minion in chief. And I mean, just the different governments that are like, well, I'm just going to do this because that's what's best for the people. And then it's turning into, is it? Do you even know what you're talking about? And as the things that they do are pr- are being shown to be incorrect, to be wrong, the people are starting to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why? Why do we listen to you? Why do we believe you? I had a conversation with my mom about um, the plane, the Ukraine flight that was down by the um, the the government of Iran. And she was very much stuck on the fact that the Ayatollah had come out and said, we made a mistake and we apologize because he is the supreme religious leader. And so when 
people of that level go, oops, my bad, that was a mistake. After you've convinced them that nothing you do is a mistake, that everything you do is divine and right. Why should anyone believe you, right? Because if everything you do is correct, is right, is the rule of law, you know, the the only way, and then something of that level of a of a tragedy happens and you come out and you say well actually even though in every other situation I've always been 100% correct and you know the divine has has blessed those situations in this one particular case no I was we were wrong and sorry what? I mean, immediately that throws into question everything that this person or group has ever said. And so as I read as I read this book, I kept that thought kept circling in my head that in this fictional book we were seeing an example of a group of people who had managed to convince a populace that everything they did was right. That everything they said was correct. At the point where we meet these characters, violence doesn't exist for Psy people. That's just something that changelings and humans, you know, fall prey to because they're animals and they're just not evolved enough. And yet we now have two characters who have both been intimately touched by the violence and are now aware that what their council has been preaching has always been untrue. And so this has to now spark something, right? And so this second book is sort of another sort of crack in, you know, that perfect image of who the Psy think that they are. I think it's a pretty big crack. Um, Faith and Sasha are both cardinals, which are, you know, in this world, those are people with immense... You, They are unable to quantify the level of their power because it's past their... 10 point scale and past that is like we're not really able to measure we just know you're hella powerful so you now have two women who are ultra who have you know who are at the top of sort of the power spectrum for their individual powers who have defected and you know defected to live with men who are animals because they've both fallen in love with men who are changeling you know from the same pack so this has to spark conversation and it has to spark questioning among the general populace. The general populace who, before these two examples, might have just been like, of course, whatever the council says is correct. But at this point, they're like, wait, ho- hold up, hold up. Y'all have been saying my whole life that changeling people are dumb, dumb. And here are two powerful women 
living with them and not dead. What? So what else is a lie? So what else is a lie? And I think that we're only at the beginning of 2020 and I I definitely wonder what other things will be exposed throughout this year um because there's it, that seems to sort of be the energy the things are just coming to the light whether or not people want them to um regardless of what people want or not it appears that um the truth will you know will win out and so I do think that this is I mean, did I think before I started this podcast that reading these books would have timely, you know, it would be timely to the the way the world is right now? No, not really. No. Um, But as I'm reading them, I'm like, hmm, well, interesting. That kind of feels like like this situation in my real life. Um, And so it it is going to be really interesting to finish could you know continue through the rest of the books as you know world events happen around me and see if there are any other parallels or just things that feel similar and again this was written in 2000 or no this was published in 2007 don't know when nalini wrote it she could have written this you know back in 2000 for all i know um but i do think that for a book written in 2007 oh it's i mean i don't think i could tell the difference between that and current day romance and it's only been 13 years maybe this book will feel dated when we're in 2079 but 2079 from now we're in 2020 it's 59 years away Ooh, I'm, i must still be alive because i'm not 40 yet oh I, I mean you're all like really girl but i just out of curiosity, I want to see how old I might be in 2079. I'd be 96. I mean, you know, I might just still be kicking it at 96. Will I still be reading Nalini Singh? Yes. Unless I'm completely blind and that's okay because audiobooks exist. <laughs> um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting sort of to see what else um, I see as I read. Okay, so I'm going to pause here. If you don't want to listen to spoilers, if you're like, I know this book came out like so long ago, but I want to be able to read it with absolutely, I mean, not absolutely no idea what the book is about because you've been listening to me talk about it. But I I mean, I really tried my hardest not to like really go into detail. So anyway, this is where as soon as the section ends, you need to pause and skip. Now, if you are like, yo, A, I read this. B, I want the spoiler. C, I just want to keep listening. Then, you know, as soon as we come back from whatever random music I'm going to pick for y'all to listen to, you can keep listening. So exciting. Okay, pause. All right. So, Faith is an F side. Letter F, like Frank dash psy and that means she is part of the four seer designation these are people who can see the future 
it isn't just, you know, I point at someone and she looks at them and she's like, oh yeah, so she's going to be walking down the street and then a beam is going to fall out of a window, but it's actually not going to kill her because some guy is going to like run and push her uh, out of harm's way and they're both going to be safe. That's not how it works. And at this point uh, in the in the story or in time, FSI um, only forecast for business. Um, and what that means is FSI are only making business forecasts. If you're trying to figure out um, which way the stock market's going to be going, what inventions are going to have an upswing, have a downswing, whether or not your competitor is going to have an impressive year, a shitty year, all of those things are the things that the FSI are focused on um, because it is about the bottom line. Yay, capitalism. So what I thought was really interesting is before silence, so before 1979, um, FSI were, or four years foresaw whatever came their way, including, you know, tragedies. So they saw death. They saw, you know, suffering. I'm sure they saw, you know, really great moments. But they did not just see business forecasting. Of course, with silence being implemented and emotion being removed, and that's in air quotes, uh, I guess there is no reason to forecast for murder, right? Because we're all under the, you know, illusion that there is no murder. Of course, there's still probably, you know, crime amongst humans and changelings, but like, does, does like letting them know about that pay? It doesn't. So let's just focus on like forecasting things that are going to make us rich and richer. So Faith is a cardinal. She is the most profitable um, foreseer in her clan. And so because the four, the FSI, um, are prone to insanity, because, I mean, what must it do to you to consistently see visions of terrible things happening? Um, they don't live sort of separately like others I do. Um, as they become adults, they're still part of Psy clans. And those clans are made up of other family members or people who make sure that the foreseer has everything that they need because it's possible that they could go into a vision and forget to eat for three days, etc. So there are all these reasons that are given for why she is managed by her clan in a way that uh, when we meet Faith, she's 24, uh, and Sasha was 26. Sasha, would, like, I mean, lived in her own little apartment. She worked with her mom, but she wasn't, um, she wasn't monitored on a 24-7 basis. Faith essentially is. And we're led to believe when we first start reading that this is for her safety. This is to help her. Now, I say that we're led to believe that because as the book progresses, you start to realize, is it for her or is this a really great way to manage the FSI so that A, they can continue to forecast so everyone else can get rich and B, you don't have to worry like, well, like what if they decide to walk away from forecasting for me or whatever? Um, so 
because Faith's family line has had high incidences of foreseers, which we're, we find out uh, that they're like less than 1% of the population. And yet Faith's family has had like an FSI every generation, if not two. Um, and she's a cardinal FSI. So she's not just a regular degular one. She's like, you know, awesome. And her predictions apparently always come true unless something is done to circumvent them. So what that means is what she predicts will happen if nothing is changed between the time that she predicts it and the time that that event happens. And now if you change factors between the time you hear the prediction and the time that it happens, then the future is mutable. It is changeable. But if nothing is done, what she has seen will come to pass. So Faith's mate partner is Von D'Angelo. He is a sentinel, um, which is, like I said, the highest sort of ranking for a soldier in Dark Hunter. And his story, whoo, girl, wow. And so it doesn't, at times I was like, but these two together, really? But then at other times I was like, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Uh, okay, I get it. And this is the second changeling that we sort of get a deep dive into his background. The first one was Lucas. Um, and Lucas's story, um, he had loving parents who died trying to protect him. Like his, his both his parents did everything they could to like make sure that he wasn't killed. So clearly Lucas comes from a came from a loving family. Now, he lost it at a very young age, so of course that obviously affected him because he, you know, lost his parents, heard his mother being killed, you know. So it's not like he, you know, his life was bringing out roses. No, but he came from a family that loved him in a pack that was willing to do whatever needed to be done to save him. Vaughn does not have that kind of upbringing because Vaughn isn't originally from Dark Hunter. Uh, Vaughn is a jaguar, uh, which is apparently in big cats, you can have jaguars tend to be darker in color. um, And so their fur is the same I don't know. They explained it. Please read. Uh, but he is not from Dark Hunter originally. It's not like his parents were sentinels or, you know, mature. No, these, his, his parents were other people, other changelings. Um, and Vaughn's backstory is that his mother and his father had him and a, a younger sister, had him and then had uh, another child, his younger sister, um, and weren't married, and then became part of a religious group that um, was, I guess, cultish. And Vaughn notices at this point he's ten, and his little sister is seven. That one of the religious leaders is showing um, inappropriate interest in his younger sister, and as an older brother, as a jaguar, as a changeling, protecting your family is, you know literally at the top of everything you do and so he acts out and it gets to a point and apparently he also gets other children to act out and so the religious group 
tells his parents, unbeknownst to him, that because they have these children out of wedlock, they're basically a representation of their sin and they need to be removed if they want to be saved. And so mom and, you know, Vaughn's mother and father pack up him and his sister. And this part was really difficult because he mentions how he, him and his sister was so happy because he thought that they were leaving for good, this terrible, awful place. And it instead, his mother and father leave them, him and his sister, in the woods. And just leave them behind. And as soon as his younger sister realizes what has happened, the shock of it is too much. And even though he's 10 and they have both shifted into Jaguar form to you know, try to survive the elements better, and he goes out and he gets food for her, she literally dies of a broken heart of abandonment. Um, and he's leaves in search of you know his parents and is eventually um found by uh someone from dark hunter because it ends up happening that his parents were essentially on either close or on the edges of dark hunter land but of course in this world you know the forests aren't just like a cute little small section it's enormous and, of course, he tells them what happens, and he's, he also mentions how Dark Hunter was ready to, you know, go after his parents in, for him. And, but there's no reason to, because his parents are already dead. And his parents are dead because his mother apparently turned around and tried to come back for her children. And the father tried to stop her and of course these are two fully grown adult um leopard or jaguar changelings and so they end up apparently the the father kills the mother and then kills himself and reading that i my first thought was like wow Oh, look at that. Religion fucking people's lives up over and over again. Like, look, look, look at that. Look at that. And I'm sure that there are people listening who are going to be like, Esther, religion is not the at fault. I mean, you can believe that. But for people who have been hurt, abused, lost family, died because of it, I don't know that they would agree with you. Um, and so I, it was very much. So Vaughn is a changeling whose animal is really close to the surface because he spent quite a bit of time as an animal. Um, and when he is spending the time as an animal, it, it's because he's been abandoned by his parents. So essentially the people he trusted to take care of him didn't. So that is broken. His sister dies, and of course he blames himself because it's like, well, maybe if I'd just done this or this or this, she would still be alive today. And so his animal is very close to the surface. 
back to Faith. Faith is a foreseer who actually lives on a compound also on the edges of Dark Hunter land, which is something that is mentioned that the Psy don't like living in nature. They like living in cities and apartment buildings. And of course, um, changelings are like, ew, they like living in boxes stacked up on top of each other. So first question, why does Faith live all by her lonesome? Now, it, as you learn more about Faith, it makes sense. She's able to sense so much she's a cardinal and she's so strong from everyone around her so if, imagine if you lived in the city and you could hear everyone's thoughts you would go cray cray you go motherfucking cray cray so of course you won't move to the woods especially if you can't hear animals You're like, oh, thank god i can just hear the chatter of the squirrels but not their thoughts um and so faith is a sigh who's lived in isolation um who has been forecasting since she was three who honestly believes that everything the side council has ever said is true and is not you know that she will at some point you know fall prey to the insanity that fsi all end up falling into and she meets vaughn and then a bond begins and it's it's interesting because it's this is a man who is very tactile and he's now falling for a woman who's like, girl, touch what? <laughs> if you don't back the fuck up. And so I think that Lee does, I think, do a very good job of the process that has to happen for faith to be able to accept and be able to be what Vaughn needs. Um, but it is definitely a process in a way that, um, which is also a very, very different from Sasha because Sasha is an inside, an empath. Emotion is literally the bedrock of her power. So as emotion, as we realize, as we read, emotion has never not been in her life. It, you know, people, it's been covered up or whatever, but it's, whereas like that isn't Faith's sort of story. Now, Faith also has a sister who is killed. Um, and Faith, because of her power, is able to see in vision form what happens to her sister um and at first I, she isn't really clear that what she's seeing is real until her father informs her their sister has passed and she's like randomly asked like well how and he mentions oh this way which is exactly what she saw now what's really interesting is that faith sees what the killer can do and yet it isn't until very close to the end of the book that Faith understands that the killer has to be also like her. Because she's never seen things, visions with changelings who um, it's talked about that they have a, a, a shield that is pretty good. And so they're able to sort of keep out side people from getting in their heads. And a side person would have to like really use a lot of power to get in there and she hasn't seen humans so and yet when she's sort of going down this journey 
she is very much still on the thought process of like, well, you know, it's not one of us. It has to be one of those, you know, two other emotional braces. Um, and her realizations, um, I mean, Faith's journey is, the similarity with Sasha is that they both believed their counsel, um, their family. But Sasha has always been told she's essentially defective. And so I think that there were certain things that Sasha, I guess, was like, well, I don't know about that because I'm defective. That's not Faith's case. She is, you know, brilliant at what she does and is like, you know, brings in millions, if not billions of dollars. She is, you know, in the book, she is on the short list for the next council position because the other counselor, the serial killer one, was killed um, by the changelings. Um, And so she's not just a side that has sort of been shunted to the side. She is a side who could potentially rule, and yet she also is alone and feels that loneliness and is touch-starved and... There's just so much um, feeling of not of not being enough or just not. She has these feelings of like, I guess because she's so afraid of, you know, insanity, because it's been made clear that this is something that FSI, you know, y'all can work for a certain amount of period of time. And then you go cuckoo and then you go cuckoo. And of course. That is reinforced over and over and over again to help facilitate the concept that everything that is done is to keep her safe, that everything is done is to protect her, that everything is done is in her benefit. And so as she's coming up against the reality that no, it's a very sort of, you know, benevolent cage, she's having to grapple with, but this is what I've always been told. And I... Am I really expected to believe that the people that I thought would be behind me would do this? Which is a fascinating thought process because, again, you're not supposed to feel any emotions. So, like, why would you think that they would have your best interest at heart? But I think that speaks to the fact that even though the Psy have tried to remove all emotion, A, not possible. B, it still exists. It just now manifests itself and manifests itself in very interesting ways so this concept of family loyalty what is that if not a bond oh but it's not about love it's about maintaining the you know the success of the family okay but that's uh, i mean I'll, I'll give it to you but but really though but really though that's a bond bitch a bond and so you we get to see these two people and then we get to learn about what other Psy families might look like, right? Because when we saw Nikita and we saw Sasha, we saw a mother who seems on the surface to be like, yeah, me and my defective cardinal daughter and a cardinal who thought she had no power and so in some ways you know she was able to leave all that and end up with a man who knew love at one point from fam from parents 
but lost it. Now we're meeting a man whose parents were, you know, trash, (laughs) hot garbage. I mean, who knows what might have happened if Vaughn's mother hadn't died or the father had been like, you know what, you're right. This is kind of dumb for us to leave our children in the woods because they represent our our sin. What, girl? Let's go get our kids. Who knows what might have happened and who knows what kind of man Vaughn would have been. But that's not what happens. So Vaughn is a tent and his man who didn't grow up with that. And then we've got Faith who also didn't grow up with any of that. Now Vaughn at least has had examples because he's, you know, been raised in Dark Hunter. And he has, you know, a, an example really close to him of, you know, a, a, a leopard and his mate with Lucas and Sasha. Faith doesn't have that and yet in this book we also find out that not all Psy are completely without some sort of familial bond so Faith's father Anthony Nightstar at first it seems like he's like every other Psy he's just worried about what she can produce what her output is going to be um, whether or not she's going to make it onto the council. And because of all that we've, because of what we've been shown, we're assuming that that's coming from a very sort of greedy, self-centered place. And once Faith, um, drops out of the sign bonds with, um, Vaughn, there's a meeting with her, Vaughn and her father. And, because of what she's seen, what Vaughn and the other uh, members of Dark Hunter have been telling her, she, like us, the reader, are assuming that her father, similar to Nikita, is going to be like, well, all right, lost this one, profit stream, got to figure out how to, how to fix that. And there's mention of an eight-year-old in the family um who all is i think an 8.9 or 9.8 on the gradient for f size so she's not a cardinal like faith but that's really high on a gradient of 10 again um and so she's kind of like the father's like you know she's like i'm so sorry like how much money and jobs i've cost and he's like none the money isn't gonna be changing and she's kind of like you're gonna have this eight-year-old doing this like that's not you know like oh my god now the guilt of like i've condemned this poor eight-year-old to like the same sort of hellish life i had even if she's unaware that it is hellish and he's like no you're gonna continue to foresee and it's like skirt skirt what and he's like i just you know let the council know that like if they come after you then none of the businesses that are on the her waiting list to get a forecast will pay their taxes. And that's not like small chump change. That's money, money. And so, of course, she's kind of looking at him like, wait, what? And her next thought is like, oh, to keep the money. And so she says, she sort of throws a pot shot at her father. Like, you know, you didn't care about my sister. The sister she didn't know because they weren't raised together. And you don't even know your son's name. And he's kind of like, mm, so not sure where all this is coming from. But um, this is your brother's name. And I've had contact with him, which is something that I had in 
the contract that was set up when, you know, um, I allowed my genetic material to be used, um, for this essentially third child. And she's kind of like, wait, what? Mm, Sir? Huh? Um, and it's a surprise to both her and us, the reader. I feel like at, there are certain points where there's sort of a hint, but it, to me, at least I'm, I know the first time I read this, I didn't get it until that point. Um, that Anthony is sigh. But Anthony's like, what I will not do is allow my people to just be misused and mistreated by the council. And we also learn in this book that Anthony was approached for a council seat and was like, nope, I want to run my family group. I'm not interested. So it isn't that he doesn't have the power. It isn't that he's some like, you know, poor said. This is a man who is at the same level as the counselors that we have met but was not interested in that and does want to protect the children. Oh, because he also says, I've lost one daughter. I'm not interested in losing another, which is sounds emotional. I mean, because it is. Um, and so clearly at that moment, Nalini is sort of signaling to us that there are people who don't agree with the side council. I don't necessarily think that at this point yet rebellion is sort of, but it seems like as time, as even though we've only finished book two, something has to change. Something has to change just because of the way that the council has gone about things. Um, we get a little more insight into, you know, Judd Lauren, who is a Psy living in um, Snow Dancer. And Judd's book is next, which I thought was really interesting because if you read book two, I don't think we spend that much time with Judd that you would immediately think his book was next. Um, I do think it's interesting because so Judd's book, um, it's Judd and his um, Judd Lauren and uh, Brenna, last name Kincaid. I don't remember her middle name. And so they're in Snow Dancer. Now, we know about Snow Dancer. We met their alpha and some of their um, high-level people in the first book. We're, I don't think we meet any in... Uh, we, there's mention of Hawk in this book. Um, and, oh, because, oh, I totally forgot. And I thought that this was like a really sort of interesting... Not interesting. I thought that this was a really poignant way of showing us the reader how faceability can be used to like protect um she has at the when this scene happens she has defected she's sitting around because she's Vaughn's mate and they're all talking and of course none of neither Vaughn or Lucas are going to leave their mates um, undefended just because of the fact that they are Psy and they don't know what the Psy will do so everyone is together she's sitting there and she starts to have a vision and it is a vision of seven um, wolf cubs dying and she's able to let Vaughn and everyone else know it's about to happen where it's about to happen they put a call through it turns out that there was a big crack in the cement of the tunnel and would have fallen and crushed um because it was right by the nursery of course hawk is like 
Um, is she a pretty side? Because, like, you know, because this is sort of what Hawk does to, like, you know, rattle Dark Hunter, um, specifically Lucas and now Vaughn. And it was such an interesting scene because, A, it, it outlines the fact that, like, if FSI had been allowed or, or trained to forecast for both business and everything else, um, what kind of tragedies could have been prevented? What kind of things, for example, serial killer, serial killer homeboy killing all the changeling women, or Lucas's parents being murdered by that rogue pack. It just, what are the things that could have been prevented and weren't because over a group of people decided that it doesn't, it's, it's not profitable to prevent that? So we're just going to focus on what is profitable. So I I was just like, ooh, okay, all right. Um, damn. Da, 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 damn. I also think that this book reminds the reader that the world is not black and white. In the first book, you really do feel like, well, changelings are like amazing and side people are like the devil. This book, book two, reminds us, whoa. Before you start, you know, painting all them, you know, wrong and right signs and, and the black and the white, Vaughn's parents were kind of, kind of trash, kind of shit. And Faith's father, for who he is, hmm, hmm, because Nikita was all like, bye daughter. And Anthony was like, no, I'm not about to cut contact with my child just because some, you know, motherfuckers up in some council decided that, uh, I think or not. And so, if you were thinking, okay, this is going to be about the evil sign, the righteous changeling, she's letting you know, it's, uh, it's a little more complex than that, girl. It's a little more complex than that. And it's going to continue to get more complex because that is you know, sort of reality. Nothing is just cut and dry like that. Nothing is just like, good, bad, nothing else. Mm-mm, uh-uh. That is black and that is white and that is millions of shades of gray. Millions. And so book two, I think, does a lot of work. I mean, oh, we meet... We've met, we meet the netmind, or we'd heard about the netmind before, but we actually meet her because um, Faith is able to communicate with her. We find out that there's a dark mind, which is going to be huge for later books. We also meet a character who, oh, his book, Caleb Krychek, 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 I've always said Caleb Krychek, so I'm going to continue with that. Caleb, ooh, I mean, talk about motherfucker morally gray, if not like charcoal. Uh, he's gonna get a book, uh, Shards of Obsidian. But that's a little, you know, that's 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 a ways away. We're not we're not quite there yet. Um, so we're we meet Caleb. Um, we start to see that the council is not all-knowing. I mean, if you didn't get that from the first book, you definitely get it from this one. Um, and it's going to be 
a ride because all the questions and all of the different things that are happening in this world. And then just the interesting thing about these sort of neural networks having their own sentient sort of guardian or librarian, so to speak. Maybe not librarian. Just sentient being that exists within the framework of the network. Um, And what all of that means. Because I do... Specifically with the case of the killer that Faith could see. And the example of her aunt who had gone insane. Um, The dark emotions are spilling out in any way that they can. And... If that means that their voice comes out in violence and murder, um, in insanity, then so be it. Um, It's very much, you know, a child being like, I need attention. And sometimes the child asks politely and sometimes the child has an insane temper tantrum. Now imagine if the child was like grown and, you know, could kill people. Um, That's what this sort of... um, that is what I think we're starting to see um, in the series. And also the fact that, like, this opens up the question because, again, if Sasha and Faith are touch-starved, that means other Sai at some point were touch-starved. What happened to them? Are these, or have they been rehabilitated? Have they been murdered? Um, and what is different um, because when Faith is trying to find out information about the killer and the set and the other and the signet, she's hearing conversations that clearly are conversations like that are, you know, that an all powerful council would probably squash and they aren't and they don't seem to be aware of it. And so, of course, she sort of is like, how are they not aware? Because I think that bringing it back to my conversation about where we are um, in um, the world today, I think that it's that question of like, you've been led to believe that certain people in certain positions know everything or uh, have intelligence, not just like they are smart, but have access to information. So when they are making decisions, when they are making pronouncements, when they are acting and moving through the world in a way that shows ignorance, you start to question, wait a minute, you're supposed to, you as leader are supposed to have access to all of, like, this idea that you're almost omnipotent, but you're not. So then, why exactly are you the leader? Why exactly are we listening to you? Why why are we following you? Hold, Hold up. Hold up. What are we doing? What are we doing? And that questioning, that questioning, when people start being like, hmm, pero, why? Pero, por qué? Pero, no entiendo. And don't worry, guys. This is not in italics. Um, when that happens, 
there's going to be unrest until, you know, the answers fully come out. And so this second book, it's, to me, it's weird because it feels like a doozy, but I know that there are other books, like, I had emotional moments with this one, but I didn't, I didn't break down sobbing. And there, uh, uh, what is the book called? I, I mean, I should know this because I am so enamored with this book. And as I had stated earlier, I reread it. Um, I wonder if I reread it whenever I feel like a good cry. That might be, you know, something that subconsciously I'm like, you need to let go of emotions. And I'm like, let me go and read. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Uh, Blaze of Memory. I've read Blaze of Memory probably seven or eight times. I know how it ends. It's a fucking romance novel, guys. I know it has a happily ever after. And yet every single time when you get to that critical point, I sob like I sob like a motherfucker. Like, sob. Not even like a t- waterfalls on my face and so I do wonder what is the difference between visions of heat and its story and I'm able to read it and enjoy it but it doesn't have sort of that emotional like gut punch that was me punching my own hand for you know emphasis and then a book like blaze of memory which I mean, you went in and you ripped out my heart. I mean, she puts it back in pretty quickly, but damn. Damn. It hurts. It hurts so much. I don't like it. That one in Silver Silence. And I've made, I have made the mistake of being on the train and reading these. And I'm just like, Someone's about to be like, ma'am, are you okay? And I'm going to have to be like, just reading a book. And they're going to be like, the fuck? A book is making you sob like this? Mm, okay. I mean, I don't want to read if that's what reading does. So, yes, this is really... I mean, this book needs to be read, I think, to really give you um, an understanding of where this world really is at um and oof i mean is it's got a lot and then ooh okay another thing that i thought was really interesting um we have now met three different characters who've lost sisters we met dorian in the first book i mean that is the whole reason why lucas and Dark Hunter try to get close to Sasha and Nikita and the council because they're trying to find out who killed Dorian's sister. You've got Vaughn, who lost his sister, and Faith, who lost hers. And I did think... I thought it was really interesting. Like, what is it about... I mean, in the case of both Dorian and Vaughn being dominant... Uh, predator changelings losing someone who they consider to be under their care under their protection when that is sort of the cornerstone cornerstone eh, um, of your identity 
and for them, you know, for them to then die in Dorian's case, she's murdered and it's horrible. In Vaughn's case, he does everything he he can think of as a 10-year-old and she still dies. What does that then mean, right? Obviously, that is a an emotional sort of um, trigger that's going to need to be worked on um, to be able, for these men to then be able to have the lives that they end up having. But I did I, because I'm I, I'm real as I'm re, as I'm thinking about the series. I don't think anyone else in this. I don't think when people lose siblings that it's brothers. Which, I mean, you know, I don't think Nalini Sengel's like, sister has got to die uh, on purpose. But I did think, I was like, wow, within two books, we have now met three characters who've lost their siblings, two to murder. I mean, all in, I guess, you know, it's all violent. I mean, it's death. So it was definitely something. And then, you know, we also have examples of parental abandonment in both like the fact that um Vaughn's parents and then I mean Sasha's mother whether or not that continues we don't know yet um and so yes this this book I do think at least for me is a book again when I'm rereading the series, I read. But it isn't a book that I just randomly pick up. Because I'm like, oh, I want, I want to read about Faith and Vaughn again. It isn't. And that's okay. It's okay that they're not my favorite couple. They'll be somebody else's favorite couple. They might even be your favorite couple. And that is a-okay. Alright, guys. I'm going to uh, pause here. Alright, so just uh, one last like little little bit before uh, I wrap up and let you guys get back to, you know, your everyday lives. Um, I've been reading Forever Strong by Piper J. Drake, which this episode comes out January 27th, which means the book comes out January 28th, the day after. Um, I'm not finished, but I'm almost at the end and I'm really liking it. Um, I got the arc through NetGalley and it's my first time like reading a Piper J. Drake book and I'm re- I really like Zoo and I don't know if it's Ying Yue or I'm, I call her Ying Yue, Ying Yue in my head. If that's not how you say it, please, um, you know, send me a voice note or something be like so this is how you pronounce it thanks so much um but i'm really loving the interactions uh zoo's uh dog buck i love him i i want one of my own but i don't do his line of work so that would be a waste but i mean if i could have um a working dog like that that would be awesome but unfortunately, I'm not in a search and protect sort of field, so no. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, like it's kind of suspenseful, and like we don't know what's going on. There's questions, and their dynamic. I I like it because she's like you know, well, there's a lot going on, but she's not all like I'm just gonna cower in a corner. Like she's very much like okay, well, so now what do we do? Like how can I help? And 
um, I've enjoyed it a lot, so I'm going to have to look into the rest of the series, because I'm like, hmm, this is a good one, I like, yes, um, next week, I'm going to be doing Caressed by Ice, uh, that'll be February 3rd, which is also the day that Hearts on Hold by Jerish Reed is out. I'm pretty sure that's also the day. I may go check my notes and be like, motherfucker, I was wrong. But I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong. Anyway, that comes out, uh, February 3rd. I will also be doing on my blog, La Bessie, um, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be, I am on the blog tour for Ruby Lang's house rules and so if you want to see an excerpt of the book check out the blog uh there'll be a link in the show notes um if you usually get to the podcast through linktree there's a link to the blog there but anyway yeah all that information is in the show notes so yes next week caressed by ice which is judd and brenna um so we're going to oh it's still oh I was even like, does this spoil this? No. Um, it's still Psy and Changeling pairing, but now the Psy isn't female. And we're gonna get to like get to know the wolves. So if you like like Wolf Shifter books, if you like Werewolf books, Wolf Shifter books, if you were Team Jacob, the only correct team on Twilight, you I think you might really like this. Um if you're out there being like, no, Team Edward. <laughs> Fools. No. It's always Team Jacob. Okay? And we ignore whatever they tried to do with Renesmee. Um, I don't even want to say her name. Ew. Gross. No. It's always Bella and Jacob. I'm very disappointed. That's not what I got. But unfortunately, I can't... I don't yet have a time travel machine to go back and be like, Stephanie Meyer, I'm gonna need you to correct your book because it is wrong. I don't have that yet. I mean, if I ever do, hell yes, I'm doing that. And you're like, really, Esther? You're gonna time travel to change a book? Like, n- other things? Listen, what do I know well? Books. I'm about to, you know, not no super soldier, but no, you know, I was gonna say Robert Downey Jr. I meant Iron Man. Um, because he is also not Iron Man. None of us are. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you didn't, please let me know. If you did, please let me know. Um, if you can rate or review, I mean, please. I mean, you don't have to. I don't want you to be like, wow, and now she wants me to rate and review. Like, good lord. Does she know we have lives? Like, no, but I'm just saying, like, if you can, that would be awesome. Because, like, I'm hoping that you're enjoying this and having fun listening. Um, And if you're really like, this is hot, nasty ass garbage. And I don't understand why she keeps inflicting herself on my ears. I mean, you also have the option to not listen. (laughs) Just putting that out there. Um, (laughs) Imagine if someone was like, I hate this podcast. And you were like, why don't you stop listening to it? I can't. I've been. It's a compulsion. But like, I don't have side power, so I can't compel you. Anyway, check back next week uh, for the next book. Have a wonderful week. I hope January is finally over. It feels both short and long. Time is starting to really just be a mess. And I don't know what to do with it. I'm tired. Tired. 
so tired. Um, and then, you know, I'll uh, talk to you guys again in February, which, oh, guys, it's a leap year. So technically 29 days, 29, not 28. So technically this year has 366 days, not 365. Just thought I'd point that out. You're going to be like, but why? Because why not? Um, you know, poor K no. Uh, yeah. So talk to you guys talk at you guys um in a week have a blast ciao